Bitcoin mining is an essential component to ensuring that the Bitcoin network is secure. Its proof-of-work protocol provides second-to-none security for its global and decentralized network. As it becomes more competitive to secure the Bitcoin network, the energy demand to keep the network moving forward continues to grow. Bitcoin mining provides the world with a new demand for renewable energy and a solution to not waste what was once cast off as lost energy and can now be harnessed to create an economic output. On this episode, I chat all things Bitcoin mining with George Pate. George is located out of Houston, Texas, and as you'll hear, he supports some fairly large-scale Bitcoin mining operations. I'm Jarrett Carpenter, and this is More Than Blockchain. George, welcome to More Than Blockchain. How are you? Jarrett, good morning, man. How are you doing? I'm doing well. So talk to me. I think you are in Texas. I want to say, well, I'm going to guess, Houston or San Antonio. Am I right? Uh, Houston. Okay, cool. So you are the third guest I've had on from Houston. I've had on Jack Snell, uh, and I've also had on Roger uh, Roger Williams. And Jack Snell is a kid who is 22, maybe, still in college, making big moves. He brings in massive guests into his blockchain club. Uh, he's had BitBoy Crypto on. He just had Rao Powell come and talk. So he, he's having some people come in. And then Roger Williams is into Li-Fi, but they're all out of Houston. So clearly something's going on in Houston. Is that due to the energy? Is that because there's energy there? I, I think that's a lot of it. The energy, the resources. Houston's uh, an international city. Um, so there's just a lot going on here and it, and it co- uh, makes a lot of innovation happen. Yeah, that, that makes total sense. So Today, I'm really excited to have you on, and we've kind of been exchanging, God, we've been exchanging messages for a while on LinkedIn, and I think we probably got linked up uh, through Not Crypto Bros, the live show that, I, that I'm also a part of, and let's just start with what you're doing. Talk to me about, I know we're going to get into Bitcoin mining and kind of what you're doing today, but how did you get into crypto, and then how did you get into Bitcoin, or maybe you got into Bitcoin to get into crypto, but talk to me about your your own experience because everyone has their own kind of journey towards Bitcoin or crypto. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, My background's really uh, IT infrastructure and uh, architecture background, being able to uh, set up data centers, maintain them, uh, and keep up the life cycles of data centers. And so I had got into mining oh man, maybe 2015, just playing with different uh, programs that you could install and uh, figuring out uh, how to maybe make a little bit of extra money off of my computer that was running at night. And I was running it anyway for other tasks. So why not let the processor do some other work Uh, that turned into a big interest, obviously, after kind of delving into it and, and learning more about it and seeing that uh, there was there was going to be a big uh, industry that could be created out of this, and it's going to merge a lot of different industries. And what a better place for that than Houston. So when I think back to 2015, if I'm not wrong, in 2015, there was, it was between the 2013 and the 2017 kind of explosions or bull runs. So if I'm not wrong, I think in 2015, the price had gone up to, I think, almost $1,000 in 2013 and then it trickled all the way back down to like a hundred dollars so and when i say price obviously we're just talking about bitcoin here when you were mining back in 2015 you were just able to use your computer and what kind of returns were you getting because 
now if you're getting into Bitcoin mining, which I think we're going to talk more about, you just need more power, right? To be able to secure the network. And I'm using a very high level way to say what we'll probably get into later. But was it basically profitable back in 2015 if you just had a laptop and you could just, you know, run some some Bitcoin software to secure the network? I mean, if you were using it to buy pizza, yeah, that would probably be be logical, you know, but people were able to make extra money to help themselves to get ahead if let's say they were already on solar or some type of other energy back then, which wasn't a big craze, but there were still people doing it. Maybe they were, were doing something like this at home to help them have just some extra money to spend, go out and take their wife out once a month and, and have a nice meal somewhere. Uh, and, and a lot of people were doing it like me at that time is just kind of trying to figure it out because we weren't in it since the beginning. We didn't have ASICs. Uh, they were obviously out of our price range, but gaming computers were dime a dozen and everyone was playing video games back then on the PC, at least in, in my realm. And it's only gotten bigger since then. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And I've actually done some Ethereum mining. A buddy of mine, we put together, we got nine video cards, six video cards, I don't even remember, in 2021. And we basically had to fight gamers to get the video cards. Oh, yeah. Uh, And that was obviously for Ethereum. They weren't ASICs, uh, you know, strictly just for Bitcoin. But it was an interesting thing to have to basically fight young kids, (laughs) young boys primarily for, you know, fight their fathers essentially on eBay or online to try to get at these things, especially when 2021, we were in a chip shortage. And so we were dealing with all that. And so the price even went higher due to the pandemic supply chain issues and the chip shortage. So, okay, let's fast forward to today. You got in 2015, you started playing around. Where where are you today with Bitcoin mining? Talk to me. Playing with big solar farms, unfortunately, man, like huge ones made for for mining and and big big rig setups. I mean, 2013's when it, it died for GPUs. I was getting into it and playing with it, so I was almost late to the party because I was in infrastructure and busy with IT and and corporate and other things like that. And I didn't really have time to lab at home. It was uh cisco based stuff and and other things so what i'm in now kind of help bring all of that together because it is getting to a point where you need bigger setups that will involve people that know more architecture and infrastructure yeah so talk to me about where the setup is now and i I guess what i mean is if we just go back to 2015 and you're saying you can use a laptop to make enough money to buy pizza or you know to go to dinner to get that same amount of, of Bitcoin out, basically the rewards for securing the network, what do you need now? If you needed a laptop in 2015, I feel like now you need a substantial amount of hardware put in place to get that same amount of Bitcoin out. Is that is that more or less accurate? More or less accurate for sure. I mean, I've I've still got some GPU rigs running on Kudo Miner that uh, auto convert everything to Kudos or or to Bitcoin or whatever coin that I want. Uh, and it makes me enough monthly that I can I can do certain things that I want. And they're on a solar setup at my personal farm just for uh, uh, my own use. But for other people that are trying to break rewards and trying to get ahead and and really try to stack sats, you know, you're you're going to need these large setups or at least start hosting at a at a setup like that if you can't host your own because it takes 
a mix of knowledge to run an ASIC at home. And some will argue against that and say it's pretty simple, but uh, electricity is not that simple, especially when you're going uh, up to what the ASICs require. You're getting off of the American standard and uh, going to a, a, another standard that's a little bit difficult for some people to understand here. One of the things that I was hyper aware of, and my buddy really set up the entire situation when we were mining Ethereum, and we're up in Massachusetts, and uh, electricity is very expensive. And to give you an idea, and you may faint and fall out of your chair because you're down in Houston and you guys you know, have cheap, cheaper electricity, I think it was 21 or 22 cents a kilowatt. Oof. So I know, which is probably, and if you could talk to me about your overall electricity expenses, I'd love to hear that because I was talking with somebody in Houston, they are basically taking plastic and turning it into uh, certain rare earth metals. And we were talking about electricity because it's kind of a fascinating thing. When I told him that we were on 21 or 22 cents, he almost died because he said, hey, I'm in Houston. We have electricity by the barrel and ours, the electricity he was getting was all green. Um, so it was, uh, it was carbon neutral and, and it was six cents a kilowatt. So what are electricity costs down in Texas? Because I do believe that combined with some of the tax regulation, is that why people are moving to Texas to mine Bitcoin? I believe so. You know, Texas is a, is a large provider that exports a lot of energy throughout the nation, uh, regardless of what people think about ERCOT or not. We, they can still sell to the rest of the nation through uh, ways that are set up for that. And so right now there is a huge like market to look for this cheaper electricity and for Bitcoin mining, sometimes even six cents isn't enough, just depending what your CapEx was putting your project together. That can totally hurt your price of electricity to make it to where you, you should have upped your CapEx and went renewable or instead of connecting to the grid because now you can't get a, a steady flow of green energy uh, and you have to use dirty energy from time to time. And these things are really what correlates the price of Bitcoin because if we could get to where this infrastructure is uh, reliant and on its own and not grid connected, the, the price of Bitcoin will go up and the price of electricity will go down. And when you say not grid connected, is that a code for renewables? That is a, a code for smaller grids, micro grids that uh, are a synergy of grids because I don't believe we'll ever get to uh, this quote unquote full renewables if that may mean solar, if that may mean uh, what have you. I think really there, there's a definition that needs to be for renewables and that is something that we can repurpose, maintain and keep using how much of the and we're really skipping around here so i'm hoping people are following us here but i'm just <laughs> i'm just a kid in a candy shop because this is so fascinating to me because i do think the future of bitcoin and i guess other proof of work cryptocurrencies even though there's like very few that are high level like uh, bitcoin since uh, ethereum went from proof of work to proof of stake but how much of the bitcoin mining in texas is on renewables as opposed to using fossil fuels I would say there's a large amount of it that's on renewables now, even the grid connected, uh, because they're forced to use uh, renewable uh, from other sites that can be sold to them. And uh, the sites that have the renewable are making so much electricity that now they're finally able to sell it um, and, and use it as they need to. Uh, really what's going on is we 
have too much electricity in Texas in some places and the markets, unfortunately, instead of selling it cheaper at cheaper costs, they would rather just burn it off and uh, not have it used. That makes perfect sense. What is your day to day like as someone who's doing infrastructure work, who's doing probably IT support and who's just playing around with keeping mining going? Because I think sometimes if you look on social media, it's like, oh, I mine Bitcoin. I get up every day, I check a computer, and then I do whatever else I want for the rest of my day. But every time we talk, it sounds like you're fairly busy running around. Yeah, I think I think a lot of those guys that that say that they're oh yeah, Bitcoin mining so easy. They're not in operations because that's uh, in IT. There's there's the same kind of uh, construity that. IT is easy. IT is just, you know, we point and click and install programs and everything's easy. It's all easy for the people, you know, doing their job. But let's say for operations, maybe not so much. There's war rooms and all these things that go on in the background. And so for a data data for me, it, it's managing the mind, looking at uptime, looking at downtime. Uh, looking at the electrical of the site and making sure that it's uh, kept up and making sure to check that all the breakers or how they should be uh, uh, really just maintaining site awareness at a, at a whole because you have a lot of moving parts going on at these sites with repairs, with installations. They're, they're living, breathing entities. Uh, there's very few sites that you can just set it and forget it because there's still maintenance that has to be uh, performed in these things, even in immersion mining, which is kind of the the, the end goal, hopefully, for all of uh, the industry is immersion mining, a, a sit it and forget it type environment. Yeah, that's. I'm really glad that you spoke to that because I, I've just seen a lot of people being like, oh, yeah, it's a set it and forget it. And I'm just like, there are very few things due to like the laws of thermodynamics that you can just kind of leave and then they're going to continue. Energy always needs to be put in on some level, even if it is just a maintenance issue. And can you describe to me what the mining rigs and the mining setups and the site looks like where you're currently supporting and maintaining? Because I've seen online, I mean, these warehouses full of ASICs that just looking like an incredible operation from an operational standpoint. How many ASICs do you have running? Like how big is the footprint that you're currently a part of? I'm I'm on a fairly large farm right now. Uh, it's one of the largest uh, solar farms for doing just Bitcoin mining right now. Uh, and it's, it's, it's quite a large footprint. I'd say four or 500 acres roundabout of, of solar panels just for this purpose. Uh, just to put it in the scale, you know, we have done quote unquote big box mining, like you were describing, that is these large setups, industrial uh, complexes that have been repurposed for mining because they have the electricity or the connections available there already. Or you have sites like I'm working that have been developed just for these purposes off of swampland that needs to be made uh, into a renewable resource uh, that are used uh, with container mining. And so a site like this, it, it's it's a lot to maintain because sometimes the price of power is more than the price of Bitcoin and you have to go into what we call a curtailment. And uh, the site will have to sell power back to the grid in order to please the, the company at that time. So if you've got multiple business verticals, you have to pay attention to that. And that's what Bitcoin mining is doing for a lot of industries is they're allowing them to have another vertical to help 
give them uh, a profit where they know where they couldn't before. Uh, like we're seeing the natural gas flare sites. I've set up one of those that uh, this is a gas that normally would just get flared off into the atmosphere and you're running these uh, companies into a negative, but now you can take that and turn that into a positive and start making money off of it where you used to lose money. Yeah, that's great. And and you've kind of positioned us perfectly for something that I think many people are wondering, and that is, what do you say to the people that say, you know, Bitcoin is boiling the oceans, right? Bitcoin is horrible for the environment because you've just talked about, you've talked about a couple of things. You've already said, look, there's a large part of Bitcoin mining that you see in Texas that is using renewable energy. And you're also talking about this other part where it's like, we used to have all these, you know, the gas flares or, you know, we used to just lose energy as part of the process. And we would just chalk that up to that's part of the process. But now we can go and actually commodify that, put actual value back onto that and get kind of economic energy out of that. So it's not just lost energy and it's not just, you know, spewing gas into the air. So if someone comes along and they're like, hey, George, that's really cool. I hear you're doing that, but I'm an environmentalist and I've heard that Bitcoin and Bitcoin mining and cryptocurrency mining in general is bad for the environment. Where do you, where do you start to, to answer that? I, I try to help them understand, like I've did with this podcast, of what it is at a whole and uh, almost compare it to everything that we've been doing already with these industries. So is it more harmful for the environment for us to keep burning off these natural gases into the air or is it better for us to use them in some type of generator that can fractionalize and create data and, and start to actually be used for something? Uh, same with these giant power plants that used to just steam off all of the energy into the air because the price of electricity wasn't worth them selling it for what reason. So now they're actually able to put containers behind the grid and help the environment rather than hurt the environment. Yeah, that's great. I, I think it's a really salient conversation to be having around Bitcoin mining. And I want to just just rotate a little bit and talk because I was watching Banking on Bitcoin last night, which really talks about Satoshi and goes back to like the basics of Bitcoin. And back in the day, people were able to mine a crap ton of Bitcoin just on their computer. You came in around 2015, which is kind of halfway maybe in the journey or a little bit less than halfway. I came in in 2017. So I like to remind myself that you used to be able to use a computer, not even a special computer, and make a lot of Bitcoin. And now here we are with you and you are more of like an enterprise level site with energy. And so now you're saying in 2023, you really need ASICs. You really need a lot of power. You probably need also cheap power. You may even need four to 500 acres of solar power, as you're saying at your rig. If we go ahead eight years into the future, let's just live in the future for a second. It's 2031. The story in my head is there's only going to be a certain amount of people on the planet that are going to have the capital enough to be able to mine Bitcoin. And we're going to get to a level where it's just essentially sovereign nations. You know, every country will have their own Bitcoin mining. And Russia's already starting to do this. From what I understand, I want to ask your opinion about that. And El Salvador are already starting to do that. They're even using uh, some of the, I think the geothermal or whatever, you know, they're using the heat from the volcanoes that they have inherently in their land to do that. So in eight years, is it just going to be sovereign nations and really, 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 really wealthy corporate entities? What do you think? I hope it doesn't get to that because it's in the white paper that if 51% takes over the network that, you know, is going to get paid all the rewards and get the most of the, the payment for using the system. So I think with that comes the rise of decentralized networks, the rise of 
people realizing that we need to disconnect from the grid and have microgrids, even if that means putting solar on your own house and having a Tesla battery and disconnecting yourself entirely. Look what else you can do after you've saved all of that money and you can invest in an ASIC and have it also pay for your food. Then if you lose your job, you're able to maintain yourself and still have a digital currency that people can track, use, trace everything, but at least you're able to work within the society. Uh, if you can't do like that, you're going to have to still maintain some type of barter, trade, uh, have a skill, uh, anything like that. I mean, it's it's there's certain documents out there people can look up ISO 20022. People can see the correlations that are out there with the Bitcoin white paper and start to really put things together that this is going to happen regardless. And it's there, it's set in already on how we need to try to maintain it uh, and that kind of reminds me about uh the big thing to remember is not your keys not your crypto and now it's almost turning into if you're not in control of your own miner it's not your miner hosting companies are very very good and there's some out there that are excellent and and they don't get the recognition that they deserve for giving the customers the options that they need and there's some other ones that they sell shares or they just sell hash rate you never get a machine, so you don't actually know what you're getting. And maybe someone's shaving your hash rate. There's no telling with that. And that's because it's it's an unregulated industry. But it's not just this industry that's like that. It's, it's a lot of industries that have been like that for a while. And Bitcoin steps in and helps get rid of a lot of fraudsters, like we were talking about the politicians that don't want Bitcoin. Well, why is that? Because your transactions now can be seen by everyone and we can track and trace you just like you can us. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of questions there about the privacy and the transparency. And I think one of the most important things between constituents and a politician is transparency. Because if you just have the blatant transparency, then you can start to build trust. Building trust without transparency is like blind faith in many ways. And we've kind of seen that fail. And it's just been really tough, I think, in the last couple of weeks to see a couple of things. And we're both stateside, so we can kind of talk about this as, as people from the states. But it's like, look, in the last couple of weeks, we've seen banks fail after we've seen government institutions telling us that they weren't going to fail. And at the same time, we see school children continually being massacred and politicians, I just don't think are making the right decisions. So we're, we're at a place where it's like, I don't believe that the politicians are really aligned with, with kind of like what's best for society. And Bitcoin really is starting to also show that wedge for me because we're starting to see the, 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 I wasn't going to say the fractioning, but kind of the fading away of the dollar being the thing on the planet. Uh, as we see Russia and China come together, as we see France, I believe, pay for energy from Russia, not with the dollar. And if it's not going to be a petrodollar, it becomes interesting how that's going to work. Do you and your circles, do you guys, like, for you, what's your, what's your long-term thing with Bitcoin? You've just basically talked about how if you don't have a miner, you may be putting yourself in a precarious financial situation. And the, with that, I want to just make sure that we get one thing clear. You can still mine with GPUs. Don't let that misconception get you. You're going to still stack sats. Any way you can stack sats, everyone needs to. And you should look in all the apps and everything that you can stack sats. Instead of using certain credit cards, there's other alternatives. 
there's apps out there that if you don't get rewards off of your card, you can share your bank account information with this app and then you can start to get rewards with them and stack sats that way. So there's there's multiple ways to do it. And, and I never want to put down GPU miners or anyone that does kudo mining or anything like that because you're stacking sats regardless, especially if you know Forex and you know how to uh, use cryptocurrency, then you can definitely trade off Ravencoin or whatever and sell off for BTC. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. And I'm glad you said that because I, I do think that there's a billion ways to get sats right now to get, uh, you know, pieces of Bitcoin. And it's, it, it's imperative that people start to think about how they do that. Do you have any like specific tips on how you go about stacking sats? Do you have a credit card where you get Bitcoin rewards? You just actually mentioned something that I found to be interesting that I didn't know about. You said you can link your checking account and then... They're not paying me or anything for this. Uh, Lolly, L-O-L-L-I is the app. Um, it's a very good one that you can get into and you can start to stack sats with it. Okay, how does that work? Um, it links up to your credit card or your bank card, debit card, and you can turn these things into a reward card now uh, by running it through this app. Wow. Are you using it? I am. I am actively stack sets daily, kind of uh, just by using the app and, and doing a tap on the button. And then you can claim rewards uh, whenever you swipe your card and you can also get rewards for using your card online. So things you would purchase anyway, stack sets. I've never heard of it, but I'm going to look into it. And just because I believe you are probably also a, a Bitcoin maxi, where do you keep your Bitcoin? Are you a cold card guy? Are you a ledger? Are you doing something else that you want to you know, share with people that maybe is not one of those cold storage solutions? It is a, uh, yeah, ledger. Um, I can't say the name of it, but it's a really, really good one. Cool, 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 cool. Yeah, it's a really good one. Uh, it lets you um, have random addresses every time you accept transactions. I think a lot of these are starting to standardize as that. Um, but it, it definitely helps you keep everything offline as you need to. And I hope people kind of start learning, uh, about like transacting in this way a little bit better because it's, it's starting to get to where we have to know how to take control of our own finances. I guess it's like a final question. Where do you see Bitcoin? And I know that this is kind of like a basic question and I feel weird even asking, but like, for you, what's your what's your bull case by 2030 for Bitcoin uh, as far as price? Uh, and also, why is that? Some people say, well, treasuries and bonds are basically going to get dumped into there. Some people say, well, real estate, because of the climate crisis, people are going to start selling their homes. Other people say it's going to be sovereign nations that are going to basically want to have their treasuries backed by the new global currency. For you, like, what's the price? And then also, what's your what's your reason why? I think it's dependent on society as a whole. We're a global society now and we're working faster and doing more than we ever have. And with that, are we ready for an evolution of business or are we kind of stuck in this reactive life cycle that we're stuck in? So Bitcoin kind of pushes for synergy. It pushes for proactive systems that you can sit it and forget it that way people can have a better quality of life and with that if you do sit it and forget it will it be running on clean energy will your systems be based on something that is a real quote unquote proof of work yeah i think proof of work is really really key to the future 
Um, if people want to get in touch with you, George, because they're interested in Bitcoin mining, they're interested in what you're doing. Maybe they're in Houston and they want to just go see a four to 500 acre solar farm that's, uh, you know, powering Bitcoin, which is something that I almost want to get on a plane and come see on a weekend just because it sounds ridiculous. Uh, where can they find you? We obviously, uh, we met on LinkedIn. Is that the best place? Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, you can go linkedin.com backslash uh, IN backslash speed with threes, SP33D. And I'm also on Twitter um, at geocoolingtx. Okay, cool. I will throw both of those links in the episode show notes. And George, thanks so much for hopping on and talking about Bitcoin mining. Jarrett, thank you so much for having me on, brother. Have a good day. You too. Bye. Thanks so much for checking out this episode. And if you'd like to get in touch with George, go ahead and check out this episode's show notes. I'll be sure to leave all the links he just mentioned below so you can get in contact with him. As always, find us on social media at More Than Blockchain and follow along. If you don't already follow us or haven't subscribed on YouTube, go ahead and do that. I'm putting up content there weekly that's exclusive to YouTube. No matter where you're listening to the pod, please go ahead and subscribe. And if you enjoyed this episode, consider sharing it with a friend, family member, work colleague, what have you. You can text it, DM it, or email it. Thanks once again for checking out More Than Blockchain, and I'll see you next time. Thank you.